What is up, Victory? How we doing out there today? Well, good morning. I want to give a big welcome to everybody in the room, those who are watching us online, and also want to give a special welcome to our friends in Italy, oh my goodness, Angola, and I hope I can say this right, Antigua. So come on, let's give a big welcome to all of them. And forgive me if I said that wrong. It's amazing. We truly are a kingdom global church. Now, some of you are wondering right now, who in the heck is this guy on the platform? Well, my name is Chris, and my wife Lisa and I are the campus pastors at Victory Hamilton Mill. And if you don't know, uh, that's the campus in South Carolina. I'm just kidding. We're just about 30, 35 minutes up North 85. Uh, we're your neighbors. Come on, somebody. We're all one big family. Hello. We are victory. Somebody say, we are victory. But I do want to give a special shout out because we are streaming this message into my VHM family. Let's give some love to Victory Hamilton Mill right now. Love you guys. Pastor Chad, the team, everybody, we love our VHM family. Even got some VHM rep on the front row. The Davises are hanging and praying for me today. So we are just so glad to be with our big victory family. Let me tell you two facts about me real quick. Somebody say two. I'm going to have you talk back to me here and there. I was born and raised in Alabama. Somebody's like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Hey, you guys already got us this national championship, so you're good. You're good. And uh, so you got to deal with the sweet home Alabama anointing and accent. Come on, somebody. All right. And then secondly, and most importantly, my bride right here, Lisa, my Wonder Woman, my Tiger Lily. Lisa, wave to him real quick. We are celebrating 26 years married this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. <laughs> Miracles still happen. Yeah. And where are we going to be on our anniversary? We're leading prayer on Wednesday night right here. So that's the way you do it. Then I got some special plans afterwards. So, well, hey, are you guys ready for the word of God this morning? Awesome. If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 10. Come on, VHM. Dr. Luke chapter 10. Dr. Luke chapter 10. We're going to live there today. We'll go there in just a few moments. Uh, and today we're starting off. I'm very honored, Norcross and Victory. I'm very honored to open this new series that we're calling Open Doors. Somebody say Open Doors. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, I believe I have some things from the Lord to speak to you today about. If you're taking notes, the title of the message, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for already, as Pastor Jay said, you have made yourself abundantly clear that you are also in the room with us today. You are worthy. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. And we bless you and praise you. I thank you for each person here today, those who are watching us back home at Hamilton Mill, and Lord, also those who are watching us online. Holy Spirit, would you give us a word today straight to our hearts that we can apply to our everyday lives? And Holy Spirit, once again, would you help me speak? In Jesus' name we pray. 
And everybody said, amen. We have been on a journey. Somebody say journey. We are not just a spirit-filled church. We are a spirit-led church. And we have been on this journey since 2021. I know that seems a million miles away, but the beginning of 2021, there was these two specific words, a language that was dropped in our pastor's heart. Those two words are emancipating greatness. Come on, say it with me. Emancipating greatness. Now listen, it's not my greatness or your greatness, although you guys are amazing people, it's the greatness of God we're talking about. We're talking about emancipating the greatness of God in us and through us to the world around us. In us, somebody say in us, through us, because all we are is vessels. Come on, somebody, that's all we are. We're just vessels. We're just conduits to the world around us. And so we, in 21, we, we really focused on the in us, the inside. We focused on, on health, getting healthy. Come on, somebody. Yes, physically healthy. We, we all should continue to get healthy and, and live a long life before the Lord. But we're talking about deep inside that emotional health spiritual health. Come on, somebody. God wants us to be healthy, wants us to get healthy. Even like Pastor Jay referring to Ford, that's a great way to get more healthy inside. And then in January this year, 2022, we started that whole series fully alive, looking outside, giving away. Somebody say giving away. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it, give it away what God is doing in you to give it away to the world around you and truly fulfilling biblical, the biblical mandate for all of us, making disciples. And the mission, not only God's mission, but the mission of this house, making disciples, amen? You know the scripture, we're gonna be in Luke 10, I'm gonna give you a few scriptures though before we go there. And the Bible says, and Jesus told them, go into all the world, somebody say go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so, but it says, go into the world. Uh, another translation says, as you go, as you go about your life, preach the good news. Tell people about Jesus. Preach the good news with your life and preach the good news with your mouth. Tell everyone about Jesus, it's time for us to go. Somebody say go. go. I'll give you a little Bama language. We gots to go. <laughs> we gots to go. Go, go where? Go where? Into all the world. The world, really? The world? I mean, I looked it up. The population, they just gave the numbers in 2021. It is 7,856,000,000 is the number. How'd they come up with that? I don't know how they come up with that number. But that, that's the number that they quote the human population. And that is a huge number. It is a huge world. It, it can be overwhelming. So what does that mean, go into all the world? Well, Jesus kind of drilled down and gave us specific directions in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And it says this, but you, somebody say me. me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, all right? Now, we did, a, we did a series on this, Holy Spirit. It was an incredible series. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. That word there is representation. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. He was telling his guys, hey, you're gonna go around the world, but you're gonna start right, right here in our backyard, right here in our neighborhood. Let me, let, me make it, let me make it personal. I want you to tell people about me everywhere in Norcross, in Stone Mountain, in Duluth, in Peachtree Corners, in Snailville. All right, let me go, let me drill up a little bit to Hamilton Mill. In Hamilton Mill, in Decula, in Buford, in Swanee, in Lawrenceville, and throw in a little Sugar Hill. Wherever you live, the mission starts in our backyard. It starts in our backyard. Somebody say, my backyard. That's a perfect time for a water break. Because I'm going dry. It starts in our backyard, our neighborhood, the, the people who live all around us. No matter where you live, a house, apartment, condo, where, wherever you will be, wherever you live, wherever you take residence, wherever you work, the people, the place of employment, our, our coworkers, the people that we constantly see as we go about our life, You're, that barista, I have a barista in our neck of the woods up up north where they, they know me. When I come in, they, they know my name and they will already have the order ready. Tall blonde with two shots of sugar-free vanilla and one, vanilla and one shot of espresso, all right? Because I like my coffee strong. Come on, somebody. If you're gonna drink it, don't drink the weak stuff. Drink strong coffee. And if you really wanna drink some coffee, where you at, Vance? Colombian coffee. Pastor Vance, we, we, we little coffee connoisseurs having a moment here right there. So, uh, but anyway, wherever you go, wherever you go, literally, that is your mission field. Yes, I'm so thankful for Victory Church, and Lisa and I have been on tons of mission trips, but more than anything, we have to recognize that mission starts in our backyard, and if you really drill down, it's the people who live around you, the people that you work with, and the people that you see in your everyday traffic patterns. I would say this, what happens if we don't go? Put it to you like this, we, we have a lost, right here on the screen, we have a lost and dying world that will possibly never enter the doors of our local churches. Thank God you're here to get today. Thank God you're watching online. Thank God for my Victory Hamilton Mill family. Thank you that you're here today with us. This is the gathering of the, of the believers, the assembly, the, the church, the called out ones together. But what about all those who will never visit the doors of our churches? That's why we gotta go. And I know it seems overwhelming and crazy, but that's why we're drilling down to the place that we visit every day, the place that we pull in our garages, that area, our street, our neighborhood. We can't, there's a famous quote, I don't know who the author is, we can change the world one person at a time. Put it to you like this, Mother Teresa, I'm a big fan, she said this, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person, come on, say it with me, nearest you. Who are the people in your everyday, Sunday through Saturday, who are the people that are nearest you? <laughs> Lord of mercy. 
Neighbor, come on, if you're right, taking notes. Neighbor equals nearest. Neighbor, it, it, the self, if you drill on definition, it's your fellow man. Well, we got a lot of fellow man in here. What about fellow man out there? Neighbor equals nearest. That brings us to Dr. Luke chapter 10. Are you there? Look down at verse 25. Verse 25. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. And it says this, verse 25, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Oh, it's already started bad right here, all right? It has not started off good. The word there is to trap. They were trying, they were always, you notice there, if you read the Gospels, I encourage you to park in the Gospels. Uh, they're always trying to trap Jesus. And by the way, it was always the religious crowd and the leaders trying to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, uh, teacher. You can hear the cockiness in his voice, the arrogance. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, that's a great question, but it wasn't sincere. So Jesus replies as the master responder, he responds with a question. Hey, when you don't know what to say, everybody, Jesus knew what to say. Ask the person a question. Well, what do you mean, you know? <laughs> and so Jesus replies, he knew the answer, but he says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He threw two questions at him, boom, boom. The man answered, well, since you're asking, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Jesus said, do this and you will live. And the man, look at the wording here, the man wanting to justify his actions, he wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus. So this question is not sincere either. And who is my neighbor? Come on, say it with me. And who is my neighbor? This guy had no idea what was coming with that question. He had no idea. And actually, as I said, the question itself was not even sincere. He just wanted to justify himself. And so he, he asked this question, you know, who, it's almost sarcasm. I can hear it in, in the text, you know. Who, who, so who's my neighbor? This, this religious expert, he, he thought, he just knew that he knew who his neighbor was. That's, that's my fellow Jews, my, my people, my tribe, my, my ethnicity. You know, I think chances are that the neighbors that we show love to, lean into me for a second here, Victory, Norcross and Hamilton Mill, chances are the neighbors that we show love to are the people who look like us, talk like us, walk like us, vote like us. They, they share similar beliefs, values. I, I, you, I could be friends with them. I, so they, they're, my, they're my neighbors. They, they become our friends, our people. Someone, someone said this a long time ago. You can pick your friends. You can't actually pick your neighbors. God's the one who puts the neighbors in our life, the people that we see every day. But I think right here on the screen, sadly for many Christians, our quote-unquote neighbor is a neighbor of our choosing. We are, we are selective I am guilty as charged on this statement. We are selective, we're picky with who we call our neighbors. And so, you know, I'll just remind us all today that Jesus, one of the things he was called was a friend of sinners. He talked to people, gave people attention, loved on people that no one would ever talk to. 
And he showed us, he modeled to us victory by his example that every single human being, come on, every child of God, Christian or not, deserves neighborly love. Every single human being deserves what I call gospel neighboring, true love. Well, Pastor Chris, are you telling me I gotta love Muslims? Yes, I am. I'm telling you, you gotta love Muslims, you gotta love Hindus, you gotta, you gotta, you put it there, fill in the blank. We don't love people when they become believers. Actually, I believe you could love people right into the kingdom. Love people where they're at and love them into the kingdom. I believe love is the greatest weapon we have to melt the stony heart because love is God. When you are loving people, you're loving people like God loves people, truly loving people. We are to love people like Jesus. How many people know in the room by a sign of hands today, you are loved by the Lord? Come on, somebody. From the front to the back, we are loved by God. I don't know about you, but I'm a mess. And he loves me even in my mess. I, when I get bad attitudes, he still loves me. When I get angry, he still loves me. When I sin, and I sin a lot, he still loves me. And the love that God shows me, God wants us to echo that and give it away to others. How about this, uh, this verse from Matthew 5? You, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. This is Jesus speaking. If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. That'd be the lost. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. What, he, what he's saying there is we gotta love people the way Jesus, he's perfect. We gotta love people with Jesus, like Jesus would love people, that unconditional love. That they may not be where, they, where we might want them to be, but we're gonna love them there in Jesus' name. We love them. Come on, Jesus didn't tell you you had to do a whole bunch of things to get to know him. He just said, come. Come as you are. So he loves us, and as we embrace him and make him Lord and Savior, he changes us from the inside out. Who is my neighbor? Right here, we're gonna drill down on this question before we finish the story here. Who is my neighbor? This, right, look on the screen. I, and the neighbor is a member of the family of humanity, humanity, I've touched on this, a fellow image bearer of God. Now, what do I mean by that? We were all, somebody say all. We were all made in the image of God. Not just Christians. Not just believers. Every human being whether they know Jesus or not as Lord and Savior, we're all made in the image of God and God has called all of us to love all of humanity. But, but that, seems, that still seems like all of humanity. That, that, that feels real big. Well, let's, let's drill down on this. I'll tell you this. The great theologian and philosopher, Mr. Fred Rogers, put it like this. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Your neighborhood. I'll, I'll just say it like this. Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. So who are the people in your neighborhood? Listen to this. The people that you meet each day. The people that you meet each day. 
I want everyone to know that my family made me do that. <laughs> when I preached it to them yesterday, like, Dad, you gotta do it. I'm like, I will not do it. <laughs> but truly, the people that you meet each day, the stranger that you don't know that God brings along your way on the road of life, but also the people that you see each day that you do know. Let's drill down. I'm gonna throw some questions. Who are the neighbors to give us some answers? Well, who are the people who live all around you? Your house, your apartment, your condo, your townhouse. Hey, listen, it may not be your dream house or your dream place to live, but right now, that's where you're at. So the people that are there are the people that God has given you as an assignment. Number two, who, who is my neighbor? Who are the people that are constantly in your proximity? That barista, that cashier at Walmart, that, that the, the bank teller. Who are the people that you see a lot in your everyday, I call it your traffic patterns. Who are the people in your world that you run into each and every day? And who are the people that you, need, that you stumble upon, put it to you like this, you stumble upon the stranger upon your day? Because how many people know there's people that you see normally, hey, Joe, hey, Bob, as you go in the garage, hey, hey, Diane, good to see you, good to see you, yeah, he hello, hey, you know, you're mowing the grass, you give the courtesy wave, right? I'm not coming over there. You're not coming over here. We're good. We're safe. <laughs> and you're thinking, what's his name? You're just like, hey, man. <laughs> all, we've all been there, done that. Who is my neighbor? I want to share with you something that happened to me two years ago today. Two years ago today, I thought about this, brushing my teeth last night before I got on the phone and prayed with the other campus pastors. The Lord just literally, it just went off in me. Two years ago today, at this moment, I was working at Publix in Dothan, Alabama. We were stuck in transition, not knowing where we were gonna go. Uh, we were stuck in the midst of COVID, and I was a cashier. I was one of the oldest cashiers. I was surrounded by a bunch of crazy young people, Gen Z and some millennials. <laughs> they actually, by week three, called me the old man, and I'm like, do you see any gray in this hair? <laughs> I do want you to know, if you have never... Uh, found your prayer language. A great way to find your prayer language is when all of a sudden there's an upheaval about toilet paper and you're the cashier. <laughs> it was insane. Anybody remember that? What in the world was that? I saw people fighting. I saw a line from the cashier all the way down the aisle to the back with people in toilet paper in their hands. It was nuts. And I remember getting my first check. We were stuck. The world had stopped and we were stuck. I'd said no to a couple opportunities. I, I was like regretting that, like, oh, I need to do something. I should be in ministry right now. I should be pastoring right now. I should be doing something. I'm surrounded by people and not seeing any of them. And I opened my check. They had, I had not filled out the paperwork to get it just immediately accounted because my first check. And so I looked at my check when I opened it and I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, oh, God, Father, <laughs> Jesus. And I laugh now, and we laugh, and you're laughing at me. But I want you to know, I started weeping. I mean, the next day, I called the manager. I'll take a double shift, triple shift, quadruple shift. Give, give me a shift. This ain't gonna work. And honestly, it was, I've been in the ministry. We've been in the ministry as long as we've been married, 26 years this Wednesday. And honestly, it was the same salary as my first check as a youth pastor, part-time youth pastor. And uh, yeah, I wasn't clapping at all. Uh, but thank you. I was like, God. 
So I went through a month, I went through a month of complaining to God and never saw a person. Like I'm supposed to be in ministry. I'm supposed to be pastoring. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be with the next generation. I'm supposed to be, Lord, this is, I, we had just been hurt through a church situation. I'm not gonna go on to that, but like what, what, what? Where's the dream you told me about being in a kingdom multicultural church? Maybe that needs to speak to somebody here. Don't ever give up if it's a God dream. Put in your heart. But about 30 days in, it took a while. I'm a knucklehead. God just was drilled on my heart. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just a one moment, but my eyes were opened as I saw the same, pretty much the same clientele coming through my lane. Chris, it's good to see you. Hey. <laughs> Bag them up, will you? Just come on, get through there. All these young people were sitting around, like, hey, man, hey, how's it going? Get away from me, kid. You know, and, <laughs> and God broke my heart, people. I don't know how to tell you. There's no words to express. He ruined me. He messed me up, and he said, you're missing the ministry right here in front of you. And everything changed for me. And I, don't, I, never, I never told anybody because I didn't want to because if I'm just being honest, I was embarrassed uh, that I was a pastor. I didn't want to tell anybody I was a pastor. And I was in my hometown that I grew up in. And so some people are like, hey, man, what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought you were like in Nebraska. And I don't know why I'm talking like this right now either, but that's, that's the way, you know. I would be like, oh gosh, I need to go on a break. Break, you know, like so embarrassed. And I mean, all of a sudden, when it changed for me, everything changed outside. And I had people, I'd tell Lisa, hey, I'm not gonna come home uh, for a couple more hours. I'd already got off work. She said, you, you gotta be exhausted. I am, but I've got a couple young people. They said, they just wanna talk to me. I had, I had single dads, I had single moms, uh, just, you know, like, hey, can I just talk to you in the break room right after? I never said anything, but just, I guess, the Jesus in me after I woke up, after the Lord's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> There's people right in front of you. Who is my neighbor? Somebody say, my neighbor. So Jesus told them a story. I just share a little bit of my story. Jesus told them a story. You know the story. Even people who would never go to church know this story. And you even hear the word sometimes on the news. It's the Good Samaritan. We're gonna do a, a, a quick scratch the surface story here. And then we're gonna do a deep dive next week at every campus on this story. Look right there in your, in your word. We're still with Dr. Luke, chapter 10. Look down at verse, I believe it's 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead. Somebody say half dead. This was not just like a, you know, a little beating, a little black eye. This man was barely alive. Half dead, and this is key here, beside the road. They didn't, they didn't throw him. They didn't hide him in the bushes. His body was right there beside the road. Now listen, pause just for a second. I'll do a couple pauses in your story. This was a real place. This is a story that Jesus is using, but this was a real place. This between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was a 17 to 20 mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it was very rocky and mountainous, which was perfect for bandits to surprise, to hide and surprise and attack people. And of course, that's what's happened. And then it says in verse 31, by chance, I don't believe in chance, by the way, uh, Coin says, by chance a priest came along, a priest, a pastor came along, 
And when he saw the man lying there, he crossed. So he sees him coming. Look up here for a second. He sees the man coming, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And just goes the other way, crosses. He doesn't even come over and check on him. Like, he's got a pulse. He just sees him and crosses to the other side of the road and passes him by. Verse 32, a temple assistant, so another pastor, an associate pastor, if we put it in that language, temple assistant walks over, and this is what he does. He looks at the man, looks at him. That man looks dead. And then he passes by on the other side. So both spiritual leaders, one doesn't even look at the guy, just sees him, moves on. The other guy takes a look moves on, cross the other side, and then that brings us to what the scriptures call the despised Samaritan. Or really, he's the good Samaritan, but he was despised, and I'll touch on that in just a moment. Then it says in verse 33, then a despised Samaritan comes along. Now, let me just pause for a second. Many of you know this, but I just let's get us all on the same page. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. It was living racism happening right here. And they were viewed, the Samaritans, now listen to this language, I know it's kind of strong, but this is what it was. The Samaritans were viewed as half-breeds. They were viewed as a less than race of a people, the Samaritans were. And interaction with Samaritans, if you were a Jew, you were not to do that. Actually, the very existence of a Samaritan was seen as evil. So if you were alive and you were a Samaritan, you are evil. Talking about racism, oh my goodness. And then it says, and when he, the despised Samaritan, when he saw the man, and this language is huge, when he saw the man, somebody say saw. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. There's the difference. All three men saw this Jew that was half dead. They all saw him, but only one saw him and felt compassion So what does he do? Well, he doesn't cross the other side. He goes to the man, gets on the ground. You can see, I'm a picture person. Gets on the ground. What's he say? He says, go over to him because the guy's on the ground. He's half dead. He's not waving a flag. Hey, no, he's half dead. Going over to him, the Samaritan, what does it say? He said, he soothed his wounds with olive oil and and, and bandaged them. And then he he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn. Now, right there, a Samaritan carrying a Jew, this is a no-go. So he is, you can see, I mean, he is totally out of his comfort zone. And if this Jew was alive, if this Jew was standing on his two feet, he would have literally spat, spit in the face of that Samaritan. But this brother was down, and this Samaritan brother comes over. And I mean, there's, and there's could be harm. These guys could, these bandits could still be hiding somewhere. So he, he takes him, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and then he tells the guy, the next day he handed the innkeeper. So that tells me he was where, there with that guy during the night just to make sure he's okay. He's breathing and checking him out, doing the, all that. He stayed with him. Think about that. He handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, hey, take care of this man. And if the bill runs higher, oh my goodness, think, listen to this generosity. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I hear Can I say to all of us in the room today, all those watching online, to my beautiful VHM family, can I say true compassion and love, true compassion and love will always ignore racism and prejudice. Always. True compassion and love. 
The love of God. The love of God. Look, this thought on my nose is kind of coming to me now. I am from Alabama. And in my grandfather's business that was given to my father, there was a, in the very back, there was a white bathroom and a colored bathroom. And when my dad took over the business, he painted over both the doors. So I heard it growing up, not from my immediate family, but I heard it. It was in the DNA of the state. And I believe God is healing the state just as he's healing our states. And I know we still got a long way to go, but come on. True love and compassion led by the Spirit of God will always step in and help in a time of need. This despised Samaritan leaned in and showed true love. And he helped his neighbor at his own cost. I mean, he could have, he you know, I know it was a story that Jesus was using with real location and all that to touch this man's heart that he was speaking to. But literally, this, this Samaritan, he could have been beat up when he went into the town. There was so much that he took but he gave from his heart because he had compassion for the man. And then in verse 36, look down there, it's verse 36 says this, now, which of these three, Jesus is saying, would you say, he's talking back to the religious expert now, we're out of the story, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, and verse 37 says, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There are two questions that popped off in my brain over this week praying into this. If you're taking notes, I just encourage you to write this down or, or think about this. Number one question from, from all this, if I, I'm putting it personal here, if I don't stop to help this person, what will happen to him? Think about that. If I don't stop to help this person, what will happen to him? Well, he'll probably die. And I think a lot of times we think, I've been guilty of it, somebody ought to help that man. Somebody ought to help my neighbor. Somebody to help that lady. Somebody, somebody to help that person. Somebody. Well, that somebody I have found out the Lord has shown me is me. That somebody is you. And then number two question, if I don't stop to help this person, what will happen to me? If I don't stop to help this person, what will happen to me? You know, like Pastor Johnson, an unbelievable message a couple weeks ago before Easter, talk about in that gospel series, series, drifting. I believe when we, when we don't stop, when we don't love our neighbors, when we don't help, we begin to drift. Amen. And then we begin to get desensitized. Yeah. And then we become numb. Yeah. And because we're numb, we become unaware. So we see people like I see you, but we don't really see them. And so we gotta recognize and understand the consequences of our decisions. We, I'm afraid, stay with me in these last few moments here, I'm afraid that we have a me-centered Christianity. Someone, someone said it's like this, me, myself, and I, that is the unholy trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the blessed trinity. Me, myself, and I is the unholy trinity. And we have made Christianity, just me and Jesus. Jesus loves me. He loves me. I don't know about you, but he loves me. This I know. And it's, all, it's become about me, but that is not true Christianity. If you are loving God truly with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you can't help but love your neighbor as yourself. You can't help but do it. 
It's going to come out of you naturally because you're loving your creator. You're meeting what true love really is, perfect love. And as that love melts your heart, you have to give it away. Not only are we mandated to give it away, you want to give it away. Come on, we're not Christian hoarders. We're Christian givers. And sadly, many of us become, we've made Christianity about us. This building, us, us in the room. I feel safe, it's us, good, us four and no more. And I'm ashamed to say to you as my Victory family that for many years of my Christian walk and working in full-time ministry that I never prayed for people who lived around me. I never invited the people for a good long season of these two decades plus. I never invited them into our homes. I never had a real close relationship with my physical neighbors because I was putting all my time and energy and attention into ministry. I was working for the church. I was busy doing ministry for the church that I was missing the people right outside my front door. I wanna tell you a quick story. You know, I, I say it again, you, you can pick your friends, you can't pick your neighbors. When, when God had us, and only God could have a Bama boy and a Texas girl move to Omaha, Nebraska. Come on, somebody. That's like, is it really you, Lord? I just don't know. I, I. Anyway, it happened. And we moved in, and we immediately wanted to get to know our neighbors. And wouldn't you know, the people across the street, literally, I kid you not, about a couple weeks after we moved in, in the summer of the beginning of 19, June 19 there, literally, our neighbors across the street, we saw it one day, walked up, got my cup of coffee, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a for sale sign. We scared the neighbors away already right across the street, and, and so I went over, and he got job transfer. He's like, we're gone. The house sold immediately, and you, and you know what? I know you would do what we did. Immediately when I saw that for sale sign, I'm like, Lord, would you please bring us the good neighbors? <laughs> bring us good neighbors, Lord. Not psycho people, good neighbors, good neighbors. Well, he brought us psycho people. <laughs> psycho party people. Up all night, boom, boom, boom. I was like, in the bed, you know, I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. 911. Don't tell him it was me. You know, like. And 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 the first thing they did, I should have known. I should have known. They had a little hippie in them. I, I should have known. The first thing they did was they painted a beautiful door, a beautiful wood door, lime neon yellow. And I was like, this is not a good sign. I'd walk in there like, ah, ah, ah. It was just, hello, hello, you're weird. Hello, hey, you know, all this kind of stuff. Never, I never come over. And, you know, Southern, Southern culture, uh, Midwestern culture, and so, you know, it just, it's just different. Two cultures, culture clash. And, and anyway, um, and so I, I was like, okay, we're just gonna be distant neighbors, I guess. And so, and that's, I'm okay with that. So, uh, but what happened was about probably three months in, it was just, hey, hey, just like I was joking about earlier. And, um, the, the father, I found out later, was an alcoholic, the husband, the father. And they were having a big, another big party, and it was late into the night, and I was taking strong, strong sleeping medication uh, just so I could sleep. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we heard the sirens, and kind of our family thing, our, we've done this with our kids since they were babies, anytime you hear a siren, just begin to pray. You don't know, just begin to pray. And so it woke us up, and it got closer and closer. I'm like, oh God, oh God. And then the lights, we could see the lights in our, um, in our bedroom. 
And so we all, it all woke us all up, probably woke a lot of the neighbors up, and we all did what everybody does, got through the window blind and barely. <laughs> you see me on the camera, do a little close-up, right? I'm like, barely, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. They look good, they look good, they look good. So, everything's good. We got too many window blind neighbors, people. Yeah, we got too many window blind neighbors. And so anyway, long story short, um, uh, Lisa made me go across the street and went across the street and just stood there, you know, feeling like an idiot because no one's talking, ambulances, fire trucks, everything, and then I just stand there. I've learned that there's something about physical presence. It, I, taught, I, was learned, I, I was taught something that night. Not many people talked to me. I was like, hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm, I just stood there and was just praying. And uh, they wheel him out. He had fallen down the basement stairs, cracked his neck. Uh, it was horrible. Um, and finally, the, the, the mom's going, and she sees me. She's like, Chris, Chris. I'm like, yes, yes. What the heck is going on? She's like, I, I can't tell you. He fell. He, we think, we don't know. I, I gotta go. Can you watch the house, feed the dogs? Can you help us? My, my kids are gonna go to grandma's. And I'm like, yes, yes, we'll, we'll do whatever. The keys, you know, and okay, all right, got it. And we didn't see them for a long time, long time. He went from the hospital for a long time to therapy. She just stayed with her husband. And so we mowed the grass, we fed the dogs, almost killed those dogs several times. Um, you know, like, we did everything we could do um, to, to help, you know. Saw grandma here and there, just checking on the house and stuff like that. And then he comes home and he has this, I mean, I'm, I'm making a long story short, he has this apparatus around him and somehow, the, by the success of God in surgery, he, he was not gonna be paralyzed, but he had this huge metal apparatus and he's like, Chris, thank you. And uh, we, just, we just loved him through that. And, and mom, God used kindness, and I'm not bragging on us, I'm bragging on God through us. And, and that literally, it started with Lisa's like, get your butt over there. You know, that's how it started. And um, because we would wanna treat people the way we wanna be treated. And, and so she, uh, her daughter had an accident uh, two months later, uh, and dealing with depression, aneurysm, a brain aneurysm, I mean, just you name it, everything was going wrong with this family. So we had to lean in again with intentionality, and, and uh, finally, uh, she came back doing better on uh, medication, and immediately this young girl wanted to come to church to go with our daughter, and got in youth group. The, the mother saw her daughter changing, and we never invited them to church, by the way, yet. Just loving on people. And uh, I never preached to them in any way. Just loving them, loving them, loving them. And, and, and literally, the mom came over one day, knocked on the door, brought us some brownies, and just you know sat in the living room and talked. First time she'd ever done that. And, um, and she said, I wanna come to your church. And she came to church, recommitted her life to Jesus Christ. Um, she, her husband would come here and there. He had been hurt by church. She had actually said, I'll never go to church again. So I didn't know any of this till afterward. She's telling us a story. She immediately gets involved with a small group, gets discipled, all these things to say, what if I'd have just stayed with my window blinds? What if I'd have just stayed right there? So very quickly, very quickly, we've gotta recognize and understand that people all around us are dying from a deadly disease called sin, and the church is the only organization with the cure, and his name is Jesus. I'm gonna say it again, people are dying all around us. They're dying all around us from a deadly disease called sin. And the church is the only organization, the only organization with the cure and his name is Jesus. The church is not a country club, Victory, for members only. 
The church is a lighthouse, a city on a hill, the salt of the earth. The church is you. You are the church. We are the church of the living God. Not just to gather together as the called out ones in the assembly, but to be the hands and feet of Jesus out there, out those doors. I want to give you three things very quickly. Somebody say three. Three, three things because we got to remember this. Like a good neighbor, the church will be there. <laughs> Stay Farm didn't come up with that. Jesus did. <laughs> the church was here before Stay Farm. Like a good neighbor, the church will be there. I want to give you three ways to be there. Three, and I mean, I'm going to move quick. Three ways. Number one, you got to embrace the call. Somebody say embrace the call. What, what call are you talking about, pastor? For you to be a pastor. Somebody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not talking about pastor noun, the office of a pastor, of the fivefold. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pastoring verb. Loving people, caring for people, tending to people, serving people, helping people, and just bringing them right into the arms of Jesus. You just love them into the arms of Jesus. Yes, we need to talk about Jesus, but maybe before our talking, we need to do some loving, to build a little relational equity. John Maxwell says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You are a pastor, listen to me, you are a pastor on your street. I declare this in Jesus' name. You are a pastor on your street. You are a pastor at your workplace. Young people in the room, you are pastors at your middle school, high school, and college. You are a pastor in that place. Pastor those people, love those people. I'm not calling you again, please don't misunderstand. Not talking about noun, the office of a pastor. I'm talking about what pastors are all supposed to do is love people, tend to people, help people, care for people, serve people. Be responsible for, be responsible for the people that God has put in your everyday lives. Pray for the people in your proximity. On your way to work, starting tomorrow, or maybe for some of you tonight, pray on your short or long drive that commute. Pray for them. Pray for the people. Get the names of your neighbors. It's time for us to know the names of our neighbors. Map out that neighborhood by the names and pray for them by name. Number one, embrace the call. Number two, slow your roll. We gotta slow down. We're all moving in Mach 4, and we're blindly passing people by. Number one, embrace the call. Number two, we gotta slow the roll. We are consumed with our, I said we, we, Chris, we are consumed with our crazy, busy lives that we no longer see people. Oh, we see humans, but we don't see people. We're walking over dead bodies, and we don't even know it. Everyone, everyone, Chris, it's so easy to get tunnel vision. We need actually peripheral vision. Tunnel vision is just about me and mine. Peripheral vision is seeing others. We gotta slow down. Somebody say slow down. You gotta, we gotta put our phone away. If you're going out to eat today, I double dog dare you. That's a Bama right there. I double dog dare you, put your phone in your pocket or your purse and look up. Not only to the people you're eating with, but that waiter, that waitress. 
I challenge you to ask your waiter or waitress as you finish your order, hey, we're about to pray and bless our food. Is there anything I can pray for you about? We've had incredible God conversations just with that question. It catches a lot of people off guard. And then the ones do like, oh man, yes. We had one lady get in trouble. She bent down. I was like, oh, this is not good. You know, she bent down like, I gotta tell you. Like, and the manager came in like, hey, I need you. She's like, hold on one second. We were having church right there. I was like, no, you gotta go. You gotta, we'll pray at a distance. Go, go, you're gonna get fired. Listen, we, we, we've got we've to recognize and understand. We've got to slow our roll. Put your phone away. Look up. See people with real needs. Let me say this to those wherever you live. It may not be the dream place. It may be an apartment. You're ready to get a house. Whatever it is. Housing market's crazy right now, by the way. But listen, don't be a tourist in your own community. Tourists are in and they're out and they had fun. Don't be a tourist in your own community. Be a true local. You visit the cafe in your neighborhood. Get to know the people. Let them see you. Take ownership of your street. Take ownership of your neighborhood. Take ownership of your workplace. That might not be the dream job, but that's where God has you right now. He wants to use you now. One of my faves, Jim Elliott, the great missionary, he says this, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Somebody say, be there. Like a good neighbor, the church will be there. Number three, finally, be compelled to compassion. Be compelled to compassion. Be compelled. Number one, embrace the call. Number two, slow your roll. Number three, be compelled to compassion. Have you noticed that today we're all about the feels? I feel you, man. The feels. Can I just tell you, when it comes to being a gospel neighbor, a, a true neighbor that loves people the way you love, it's not just about the feels. Feels are not enough. That would be sympathy. Sympathy's important. Sympathy means you, you can understand what people are feeling. You feel it with them. You might even have sorrow or pity for them, but that's where it stops with sympathy. No, we gotta, we gotta be people of compassion. The difference between compassion and symphony, symphony excuse me, uh, compassion sees the need feels the need, and then takes action to meet the need. Compassion always wants to alleviate the suffering. The good Samaritan saw the man that was half dead, just like the other two, but he had compassion and he took action. We call it in the Frith family, love with skin on it. Love with skin on it. That's compassion. You get in there, it's real. It's not just, I love you, but it's doing something. Come on, let's say the three with me, for three things here. Number one, embrace the call. Number two, slow your roll. And number three, be compelled to compassion. I'll close out with this verse. Owe nothing to anyone. Owe nothing to anyone. Look at this. I love the language of NLT here. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. It's all summed up right there. Love God, love people. Our church, man, we got such an incredible church. Our church has made a, a resource. If you wouldn't mind, would you get your phone out for a moment if you can? Uh, our church has made such a, a beautiful resource for us. I wish I'd have had this years ago when God was breaking my heart for our neighbors. Um, and it's a very practical guide to help us all really love our neighbors. And so I think we got the QR code right here. You can take a picture of that and it'll take you to it later. 
Or if you just wanna wait, you can go to connecttovictory.com and, and, and find it on there. But I'm telling you, it is so good, it is so practical, it is so easy, simple steps of how we can truly have some love with skin in the game and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Amen? We're gonna pray together in this moment. And I wanna do something just a little bit different as we close after I take a cup of water here. Thank you, Lord. If you wouldn't mind just for these last few minutes, would you just clear your mind, maybe put your stuff down for a sec. Wherever you're going, it's gonna be there in just a moment. You know, that, that word neighbor, it, it means your fellow man, one who is near. Neighbor equals nearest. Who are the people that God's put in your path on your road of life, your journey? And sometimes, and if you wouldn't mind, look up here just for a second because I wanna give you a visual. I'm gonna come down because sometimes When you don't see the people, when you don't, um, when you don't see the needs, and when you don't have compassion anymore, it's because we're not close enough. When you're not seeing people, they're there, but you just don't see them. You get in Walmart, you get out. You, you go to Target, you're in and you're out. You, you're in Starbucks and. You're in or out. The other day I had a God conversation. I usually go in, but I had a God conversation with the person right there at the window. The line was forever. And I flesh, I told Lisa I wanted to get out. And the Holy Spirit, it was only him. I know it after the fact, but something just said stop. And I'm like, man, I gotta go, I'm gonna be late. And I stayed in there and I waited. And when you know, the car ahead of me, we were already a long line, the car ahead of me ordered 10 drinks. I was blessing them in that moment. And I went up and it was so cool. And this big guy that could hardly get through the window to give him my coffee. I was like, man, how's it going? He's like, this has been the worst day. And I was like, right there, right, here it is, here it is. I said, man, I am so sorry. I could not give him the four spiritual laws in that moment, I had a long line behind me. I said, bro, I am so sorry. I said, I just prayed that the rest of your day gets better than what it's been. And he just looked at me, he's like, man, thank you. We gotta get close, somebody say close. We gotta get closer. But let's, let's drill down a little bit more. Maybe it's not just the proximity of me and you and us, but maybe it's our hearts with the Lord. Maybe it's a close, a distance, I should say, with God. Because if our love grows cold, then we'll never love people the way we're supposed to. We'll never love people like Jesus. We'll never love our neighbor like we love ourselves because if we need anything, we order it, we get it, we do it because we want it. We love people like that. So I wanna ask us to do something. Can, can you stand with me right now for a moment? And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We're, Lisa and I are gonna walk. I'm gonna ask everybody to turn around to those doors right out here. Just turn around. We're not leaving just yet, but turn around to these doors. And I want you to see these doors. And I want you to think about what's outside these doors. As they open the doors, 
Who's outside these doors? What's outside these doors? I remind you today that there's a lost and dying world outside these doors. There's neighbors, there's, there's coworkers, there's people, strangers, divine appointments, the people that you see each and every day. There's open doors of opportunity that God has for you. There's a cashier, there's a barista, there's all kinds of people. And God is saying today, will you begin to say truly yes to me? Not just Lord and Savior, but yes every day. God, use me. Let me be a vessel. Let me, God, I pray, let me be a vessel that you can work through. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be his hands and feet. And so I'm going to pray, and I just wanted you to get this image of these doors Open doors that God, not these physical doors, but I want you to see it in your heart. The doors down your street, the doors in your neighbor's homes, the doors at the cubicle, the person next to you at work, the doors of wherever you go that God has for you. They're open, they're ready, and he needs his church to step outside the building and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have given us all a call. First and foremost, Lord, forgive us. We repent of being so focused on ourselves, so focused on our lives, so focused on me and mine. Father, forgive us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to slow down. First, to embrace the call of pastoring people, our street, our workplace, wherever we go, the stranger in our midst. Oh, God, help us. Father, also, help us slow down. We're moving so fast. Help us slow down. And then finally, God, Lord Jesus, I pray that you break our hearts. Come on, somebody, break my heart. Break our hearts for the things that break yours, oh God. Break our hearts for the things that break yours. Give us compassion again, God. We need it so bad in this world. Not sympathy, just sympathy, but true compassion. That we would see people, that we would see a need, and we'd meet the need with the help of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you, Victory. Have a great one.